So this morning we are we're looking at a couple of, of parables that Jesus tells in Mark chapter four, uh, twenty six through thirty four. You'll find the words up here behind me on the screen in front of you. If you're watching online, if you've got it with you, you can follow along. Uh, Mark four twenty six through thirty four. And this morning I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it twice. Uh, they're short little stories. Um. Yeah, and I'll, re- I'll read them slowly. And I just want you to, uh, if there's a, a word or a phrase or a, yeah, if there's just a word or a phrase that sort of st- sticks out to you a little bit, I just want you to just sort of pay attention to that. Um, just play with it a little bit. Maybe repeat it in your head. Um, and uh, you can do that. Maybe do that on the second reading. Um, does that make sense? Um, so before we read it, let's pray. Uh, together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, this, this time um, when we open your word, we come uh, with a sense of, of expectation. That you would speak to us somehow through, through this ritual that we go through that your voice would be the voice that we hear. Come Holy Spirit and open our hearts and minds. Surprise us. Change us, mold us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, first reading. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though He doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted... It grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Wouldn't you like to be a part of that conversation? Like when he took his disciples and was like, here's what I really mean by all this. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice. It would be. Let's read it again. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? He's like, it's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Oh, it's so sweet and beautiful. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained 
everything. We will go, we'll go that far. So here's the deal. This morning, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. So I'm going to say some things uh, about what we just read, and then I'm going to ask you what you think, okay? I'm going to ask you to do some interpretation here. And I don't want you to worry about what's right and what's wrong. We're not going to worry about right and wrong answers. I just want, why do I always have to be the one who stands up here and tells you what to think? Like, that's ridiculous. We got a whole room of perfectly awesome people. So I'm going to do some talking, and then I'd like to hear some, some things. And if you don't say anything, then it'll just be weird and awkward for a while, and that's fine. You know, I'm not worried about that. Um, so I'm going to do that. We're in, there's two places I'm going to do that. In the middle, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions that I don't want anybody to answer. I just want you to sit with them because I don't know the answer to them. So anyway... The way we're going to get into this is we're going to watch a video. So here's a TikTok. Uh, This is Jim Gaffigan. Parenting is hard the entire time. The task changes, though. When you have a baby, you're like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, but I would do anything for this baby. And when you have a teenager, you're like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, but I don't want to go to jail for murder. (laughs) Your experience may differ. I don't want to go to jail for murder. I love it. It's true, right? Here's in part why I think it's true. By the time your kids grow up uh, to be teenagers, at that point, you're used to like being in control the whole time. Like you're used to making decisions when they're little. Like you're not in total control because, you know, sometimes they won't eat when they're little. So they poop when you don't want them to, and then you got to clean up after them and all that. So you're not in complete control, but, but by and large, you're in control of the situation. You're making decisions. You're making choices for your children. You are the parent. You are the one who's in control. But then they grow up, and there's this thing that happens. It wells up inside of them. And they, they, they have this thing where they want to make their own decisions. They want to make their own choices. That kind of feeling awakens in children, right? It's good. It's natural. It's normal, right? This is what we want to happen with our kids. We want them to make decisions. We want them to take responsibility. We want them to make choices, right? This is good and natural. It's just that some of the time, well, they make choices that make you want to pull your hair out. You know, murder, probably a little too far, Mr. Gaffigan, but make you pull your hair out? Absolutely. So as parents, and I'm no expert here, Right? I'm just a dad trying to figure things out. Renee and I are just parents trying to figure out how to raise these, you know, these three human beings to, to become people. So I'm not an expert here, but this is what I think. I think there's something inside of us that we need to resist as parents. We need to resist this thing that to become helicopter parents, you know, we just hover around our kids ready to swoop in and take control, right? I think we have to resist becoming helicopter parents, because we love to be in control, right? We love to be in control. After all, we've done this human being thing for a whole lot longer than they have. We know what we're doing here, this ideal of being in control. If we could force our kids to make all the right decisions, you better believe we would do it, because we know that if you make choice A, Result B is going to happen. It's obvious. That's what we want to happen. Make that choice. If we could force our kids to do it, we absolutely would. This ideal of being in control as parents, I think sometimes we have to 
resist it because we love being in control. And sometimes we enforce or we impose this ideal of being in control in other areas in our lives. We love being in control in our marriages and our friendships, our relationships, parenting at work, this ideal of being in control. But this also creates a sense of anxiety in us too. Oh, did I cover all the bases? Did I make all the right decisions? Did I, what if I fail? What will people think of me? So maybe this ideal that sometimes we have of being in control isn't God's ideal for us. You'll understand why I talked about that in a little bit. So Jesus tells a couple of parables to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. The reign of God, the rule of God, God's action and presence in the world. What is that like? So he tells a couple of parables. And if we're paying attention, these stories are actually pretty ridiculous. Like they don't make sense. Like they don't make sense at all. In fact, they're kind of jokey, which is why we looked at Jim Gaffigan, a stand-up comic, because it's like Jesus is being a stand-up comic here if we're paying attention. He's like telling these big cosmic jokes, making us sort of expand our imaginations so that we think about the world and how God moves and acts in the world, maybe a little bit differently. Jesus is like, hey, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Are you sure you really want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Well, Kingdom of God is like a sleeping gardener, an invasive weed, and flocks of birdies. That's what the kingdom of God is like. They're these weird little stories. So let's sort of dig into them one at a time. Let's talk about the gardener who sleeps. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or wakes up, gets up, the seed sprouts and grows and he doesn't know how. It happens all by itself. Now, here's the deal. If you're a perfectionist or a workaholic, um, it's likely you've kind of sniffed out what's wrong with this story right from the beginning, right? Because a good gardener, a good farmer for that matter, doesn't just go in the backyard and scatter seeds willy-nilly and then go in and take a nap forgetting about what he's just done. No, no, no. The, the, the gardener is going to go out there and make these rows that are nice and straight and beautiful in a well-maintained bed. Right? They're going to keep an eye on the weather. Like if there's not going to be any rain, they're going to provide water for the garden. Right? They're going to protect the garden from things like deer and rabbits. Those rabbits it aims are nuts. We got like 50 of them in our backyard. There's no way we could do a garden. I'd have to be out there all day, all night, protecting that garden from those dumb rabbits. They're everywhere, right? A good gardener is going to protect the garden from deer, rabbits, and other things. From early spring until harvest time, they're going to hover over that garden. They're going to water. They're going to fertilize. They're going to weed. They're just going to take care of that garden. It's hard work being a gardener. But then Jesus talks about a gardener. What about the gardener in Jesus' story? Yeah, he just goes in and takes a nap. He like scatters the seed willy-nilly. There's no straight rows here. It's just scatter seed. And I'm going to go in, take a nap. He doesn't micromanage. No. Instead, he just sort of leans into this 
ancient natural process that is mysterious and cyclical. He trusts the seeds. He trusts the soil. He figures that the sun and the shade and the rain are all going to do their jobs. He participates when it's appropriate. He plants some seeds. And when it's appropriate, he harvests the seeds. But he doesn't force this thing to happen. He doesn't cling to any illusion that he's in charge here. He just knows he's participating in a mystery. The kingdom of God is like that, Jesus says. Here's where you come in. What do we learn from this? What do you think? What do we, what do we learn from this? What do we take away from this? The kingdom of God is like a gardener. Scatters seeds. Let's the process take its place. Doesn't force things. Doesn't push things. Doesn't micromanage. Any ideas? Yeah! We can relax a little bit, maybe. I like that. Yeah. Anything else? I surprised you with this. I didn't tell you ahead of time. Ben. Can't force others to do things that we do. I like it. I'm going to say more about that in a minute. What else? God's going to work things out. Right. Maybe we try to manipulate. Can we manipulate God? That's an interesting thought. Or God's plan. Say that again. We making it we try to. Yeah. I might have some things to say about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. How like what does the planting process look like exactly here? Like if we're gonna plant some seeds, what does that look like? How far do you go? Right? I like it. What else do you think? Yeah. We're not in charge of the mystery. I like it. I like it. Okay. Here, here's what I think. I think we're all on the same page. See, this is great. You don't need me. Like, we could all just sit here and figure it out, right? Maybe we learn. Maybe if we're, if we're the gardener, planting seeds, like that's our job. Like, we're working with the kingdom. Maybe we can't force our beliefs on people. Maybe that's not our job. Maybe that's not our responsibility. It's not our response. Maybe it's not our responsibility to make the world conform to what we say are our moral standards, Maybe we can't force the world, right? Just like I can't control my own kids. I can't force things on them. Eventually, they're going to need to make their own decisions. They're going to they're gonna need to decide for themselves, to take responsibility for themselves. And, and Renee and I, we just need to trust that the, the sort of soil we cultivated there will yield some good fruit, right? So like we can plant seeds, right? But whether or not they grow, it's not up to us. 
It's a mysterious. It's just, it's a mystery. It's just gift. Sometimes you'll hear people say, like Jesus people say, you know what? We're all about building God's kingdom around here. That's cringy to me. Here's why. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to build God's kingdom. It says lots of other things about God's kingdom. We're to receive it, enter into it, but never build. We're never told to build God's kingdom. Maybe that's because it's not our job. Because my sense is that when we try to build God's kingdom, we make it look like we want it to look. Usually with us having all the power, hello Christian nationalists, usually when we try to build God's kingdom, it looks more like what we want it to look like normally with us having all the power, and then it's no longer God's kingdom, it's ours. Maybe our job is to plant, to invite, to give, to love, and let God do the rest. It's this mysterious thing that we can't force. Huh. Or let's think about our own lives. Let's think about Let's think about the seeds that have been carefully planted in our own souls, right? In this story of the kingdom, it isn't our hard work, it isn't our striving, it isn't our doctrinal purity, it isn't getting the Bible right, it isn't our personal piety, it isn't our impressive prayers that cause us to grow and thrive. It's not that we don't do those things. Maybe those things are part of the planting seed process, but the growth part, the the maturing part, the transformative part, it's all mysterious grace. It's all mysterious grace. It's underneath the surface gift that, that we can't necessarily see and track. It's just mysterious grace. We can't even force ourselves to grow. Why do we think we can force the world to become like we want it to become? Why do we think we can force the world to grow? We can't even do it ourselves. It's just gift, mysterious grace. Let's move on to the next parable. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of garden plants. Garden, a mustard seed, a garden plant. Let's stop right there because there's a joke here. Like, this is, this is a big cosmic joke. Jesus, the first century, first century Palestinian brown Jim Gaffigan. That's what he's doing here. This is a joke, right? First, the seed is tiny, and then it gets large. Eh, not all that funny. Second, first century Palestinians didn't plant mustard seeds. Why? Because mustard is a weed. It's a nasty weed. If someone were to plant it, it would quickly spread throughout the whole field, dropping seeds everywhere. Imagine some Saturday morning, you go outside in your front door, your front yard, and you notice your next door neighbor carefully planting dandelions all over the front yard, all over the place in the lush green grass. You'd think to yourself, what a fool. 
Like that dummy, those things are going to invade my yard and it's not going to take very long. You'd be like, what? That's weird. Mustard is a weed. It looks like a weed. It acts like a weed. It grows like a weed. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God. It's like that. Some questions. Jesus' parables. If they do anything, they should make us ask questions. They should, for a while, confuse us, make us think and ask questions. That's his, that's his aim here. That's his goal. And maybe these questions don't need to be answered right now, but these are the kinds of questions that this story brings up for me. What is Jesus saying when he describes the kingdom of God as a tiny little seed? What is he saying? What does it mean to take an invasive weed, to take an invasive ugly weed and make it the heart of the kingdom of God. Who and what counts in God's kingdom? What is beautiful? We look at weeds, we're like, what is beautiful? Where do we see and perceive the divine? Maybe you you can think about those throughout the day. And if you already forgot them, you can watch later on and remember them. I also think it's interesting when we think about the person who's telling the story, Jesus. Jesus was born among us like a mustard seed. He's born in this little town of Bethlehem, grows up in a nowhere town called Nazareth. There's even a saying in Jesus' time, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's born into poverty on the edge of empire. He's a nobody. Or think about the first people who start to follow him once he grows up and starts doing his thing in and around Galilee. Think about the people who first follow, who he calls to follow him, who who he rests on these people's shoulders, the future of this movement that he's beginning. A bunch of doofuses. Fishermen, tax collectors, a bunch of struggling doubters who don't have a clue about anything. Maybe we shouldn't count out people like that. If that describes any of you or any of us in this room, maybe you shouldn't count yourself out either. Brings us to the final part of the parable. I love this part. We're going to read the whole thing again and talk about birdies. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, a weed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, <laughs> you don't plant mustard seeds, Jesus. Come on. It grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now on the surface, This is so sweet and wonderful. The branches are so big and so bulky that whole flocks of birds can come into the garden and get shade, right? What grace, what a gift. Now we can stay on the surface. We can feel like the birdies. Yay, God gives us shelter. Oh, it's so wonderful. We can stay on the surface if we want to. But what if we go a little bit deeper? Remember, someone planted these seeds. 
We are in a garden. We're still talking about someone's garden. Do we have any gardeners or farmers in the house? Okay. Generally speaking, do we want entire flocks of birds making their home in our garden and fields? Do we want entire flocks of birds in there? Do we? No, we do not. We do not want birds. You know, again, it's a joke. We don't want birds making their home in our gardens and fields. They don't belong there. Get rid of those nuisances. I think that's the first time I've ever used that word in a sermon. Nuisances. It's a hard word to say. Get rid of them. They're just a bunch of freeloaders. That's what birds are. They're just a bunch of freeloaders. They're just going to eat all the seeds and all the fruit, right? A flock of crows will go nuts in a cornfield. That's why we have scarecrows. Get rid of the birds. We don't want birds in gardens and fields. Who let the birds in? Jesus. He's like, bring on the freeloaders. Kingdom of God, he says. It's like that. This is where you come in. Why would Jesus tell a story like that? What does that say about what the kingdom of God is like? Any ideas? Love to hear what you think. Go ahead. It's your turn. Say that one more time. Let anybody in. Imagine that. What else? Thank you. Take care of the orphans and widows. I feel like I'm too close. Am I scaring you? What else? Yeah. Yeah. Cares for the birds of the field. He'll care for us. What else? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's not a very, Jesus is not a very good American. No, he's terrible at it. Um, that is very true. That is absolutely true. Shame on you, Jesus, for not being a good American. Anything else? Okay, here's what I wrote down. I love it. See, you don't need me. I'm just going to repeat, y'all. The kingdom of God is all about welcoming those who are usually unwelcome. The kingdom of God is about giving shelter and grace to anyone who needs it. The kingdom of God, it's radical inclusion. Who let the birds in? Who let the freeloaders in? Jesus. God's garden doesn't exist for itself. God's garden exists. It exists to give life to those in the world who've been communicated your life doesn't matter. 
The kingdom of God attracts those we would rather turn away. One of its primary purposes is hospitality and welcome. How do we embody that? Because that's hard. That's hard. We'd rather police our borders and make sure that the wrong people don't get in. The church has a long history of that. This is hard. Let the birds in here. So let's land this thing. This has been a weird sermon. It's fine. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Slow, methodical growth that we're not in charge of. We can't control. Can't force things. We can participate, certainly. We can plant seeds. We can harvest when it's time. But whether or not the seeds grow, that's just grace. It's, it's mystery. We're not in charge here. The kingdom of God isn't necessarily flashy, pretty. It can be more like the seed of a weed, which grows into a big honking weed. The kingdom of God is about radical hospitality, a place where people are, are welcomed and fed and nourished and forgiven. That's all I got. Let's pray.